Well, here we are. It is time, Simba. If you understand that reference, you might be about the age where we should be working together. It's possible. But it is now one of three times a year that I'm accepting clients for my freedom framework, overcoming food sensitivities and increasing energy without unnecessary restriction. My goal for my one-on-one clients is to take them through frameworks and explore tools for achieving 50, 80, 90% of their goals in just a few months and show them how to continue to heal on their own so they don't need me anymore. Honestly, I think we're doing great one-on-one work here, helping women that would otherwise be falling through the cracks, thinking that they're just aging, that they're just moms, that they just, and it may be true that they just have stress when really those stress hormones and their other core systems just really need some serious support and some serious love to serve them for years to come without symptoms. So if you'd like to clear inflammation, eczema, food sensitivities, or improve energy and brain clarity, I'd love to chat with you. You can book a call with me at kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, and that link will be in the show notes. You know, I was known for how I look or how I felt. You know, that's where I based my health on. And little did I know at the time, it was it was a uh, I was on the wrong map, MAP, meaning that just based on my health on how how I look or how I felt, that doesn't necessarily guarantee you health or mean health whatsoever. And later on, that really cost almost cost me my life. Welcome to the Less Stressed Life podcast. This is your host, Krista Bigler, private practice integrative nutritionist, helping people across the U.S. reverse digestive issues, eczema, and autoimmunity via phone and video consult. To learn more, visit lessstressednutrition.com. Now, on to the show. Okay, today on The Less Stress Life, we have Mr. Uh, actually, Dr. Chris Zeno. So Dr. Chris Zeno is a world-renowned speaker, author, entrepreneur, former Mr. America, maybe we'll learn some secrets about that, Mr. Universe and IFBB pro bodybuilder. But after defying a deadly terminal disease in his late 20s, Dr. Zeno leveraged his experience to get his doctorate and become one of the largest wellness clinics in the world, seeing thousands weekly. Dr. Zeno created the I Am Hero Project to resurrect heroes from the complacency of their secret identity so they may live heroic lives once again by expressing and experiencing true love now in every area of their lives through his four-step methodology, Hero Rises. Chris, there's so much to talk about. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. And everybody listening, thank you so much. I appreciate you guys. And we'll be giving you lots of value today. So I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited too. So I think... I don't remember where I saw this. I saw someone talk about this secret identity recently, uh, some some other entrepreneur, and how it's like fun to have an alter ego. So we'll jump into that later. But let's find out more about you first. Um, what came first, the bodybuilding or the terminal illness? And tell us about your background in that. Right. So it was it was the bodybuilding was first. You know, my dad was my hero. He, you know, I, I wanted to be built like my dad, and and uh, he bribed me with a gym set when we moved to Florida from New York, like all New Yorkers do. When they get older, they go to Florida. And it was great. And it was something that around 12 or 13, that took to me, meaning that like here, we're going into high school now, uh, you know, boys like girls, girls like guys, vice versa. And then, so this was something where my identity started getting shaped by that because I actually made really good results and I was starting to get recognized or my significance at that time was being recognized for that area, working out, looking a certain way. So, you know, when you're young and, and it's you're getting positive feedback, it's something that you continue on to to do and do even more. And then at uh, nine, you know, I started competing at 17, 18, 
and uh, won Mr. America 21. And that was great. You know, I had my degree in exercise physiology by that time. I was also one of the trainers for, if you guys remember the show, Xena Warrior Princess and Hercules. Because I lived in Orlando, Florida, they had Universal Studios there. So I had a degree, the title, training some great actors. And it was, you know, the whole team and squad there. So it was great. I, I had a great time and writing for magazines, writing for internet sites. It was great. So my entire identity became, you know, I was known for how I look or how I felt. You know, that's where I based my health on. And little did I know at the time, it was it was a uh, I was on the wrong map, MAP, meaning that just based on my health on how how I look or I felt, that doesn't necessarily guarantee you health or mean health whatsoever. And later on, that really cost almost cost me my life. Yeah, I'm actually taking notes because you make a perfect. What I'm hearing here is physical experiences don't always translate to health in general because there's this whole other side. Um, Gosh, I have so many questions. Like, is Mr. America on TV? I feel like it would be anyway. Whatever. I'm going to go ahead and not not go into that. Tell me what happened next because then I mean life is going great and then something else happens, right? So the unexpected happens. Tell us about that. Yeah, I love it. And and for everybody listening. Always remember the the unknown, the unexpected. So this plays a very key role because everybody's listening. You know, there's four main areas we, we have where we could have issues or triumphs in. It could be our relationships, our finances, our business, or our health. So just we'll key that unknown, unexpected later on. So, uh, yeah, fast forward a couple of years. Um, my wife at the time, everything's going great, wonderful. Everything's going awesome. And then all of a sudden, I just start going to the bathroom a lot. Okay, no big deal. Maybe it's a stomach bug. And it never stopped. And then I started bleeding every time I went to the bathroom. Okay, now I'm getting scared. And then what I did is I played Google MD, which a lot of us do. Mm-hmm. We type in symptoms and we type in blood in stool. And the first thing that pops up is cancer. My dad died of cancer when I was 21. Never met my grandfather. So I'm like, oh my God. I go, I guess it was in my genes, but not at 26. And so I did something that a lot of us may be guilty of doing. And I turned my head away from the screen, a.k.a. disassociating from it, thinking that, well, I'm scared. I don't know what to do, so I'm just going to put it in the back of my head. And we all know when we don't address a problem head on, it's only going to get worse. And so it got worse, but any denial I was in didn't help. And then it got to the point where I'm going to the back times a day, you know, just worse and worse, not telling, uh, you know, anybody about it. Uh, You know, and then this physical issue – you cannot separate the physical, the emotional, and spiritual because if you have a physical issue, now it started becoming an emotional problem, meaning that like if I – if everywhere I had to go, is there a bathroom there? Like I had I had all these decisions I had to make in my mind because of having to go to the bathroom all the time. And then it was just getting depressive and more fear, more scare, scariness. And then fast forward, I find myself at a TJ Maxx on a Sunday and I went in there and the bathrooms were under construction. And I couldn't get, you know, they're like, go outside. There's a sports authority next door. And as I'm trying to get out of there, the fear, the anxiety of what if I don't have this bathroom and I got to go to the bathroom, that whole fear picks up. And then I find myself for the first of many times losing my bowels in public, mm-hmm. right? So many of you listening, you could probably lose your bowels in public and kind of get away with it. But when you see blood seeping through your jeans, it freaks people out. And then I just remember standing there thinking, you know, it was, like, it was almost like in the movies when it's slow motion and there's flashbacks. Mm-hmm. That was that time because I'm thinking, Mr. America, top of my field, you know, r- you know, cover magazines, getting paid to give you a nutrition plan or give you an exercise plan, didn't drink, didn't smoke, you know, self-righteously healthy, which is not always a good thing. Like, you know, I thought it was possibly better than the person at McDonald's. 
And I'm standing there losing my bowels in public in front of people, you know, being stripped away of the identity that I had and thinking to myself, what the hell happened? It felt fast, but it took long. Mm-hmm. And I ran out of the uh, the loading dock. Uh, Whitney had picked me up. with tell was with the front seat. And we drove to the hospital. And that day I was diagnosed with an incurable terminal disease called ulcerative colitis. It's autoimmune. So my immune system was attacking and eating my digestive tract from the inside out. And it was like I was facing this this problem that no drug could help. They gave me all the drugs in the world, but the drugs were so damaging. Uh, they gave me anxiety, so I got addicted to Xanax and Valium. Uh, the one drug was so harsh on your liver that it gave me medically induced hepatitis. And so instead of changing the drug, they just treated me for hepatitis. So all these drugs are adding up. The expenses are adding up. I'm losing more weight. I'm losing more health. And then I find myself going from about 230 pounds to 158 pounds low-dose chemotherapy, Remicade infusions, organ rejection drugs, and the only option at this point now was surgery to take out my entire colon. So they said, listen, in one week, we're going to remove your entire colon. You'll have a colostomy bag for the rest of your life, $6,000 worth of medication for the re- every month for the rest of your life. Uh, you're sterile. You'll never be able to have children, so adoption is the only thing in your future. And we're also worried that you may not make it through the surgery because you're on, we gave you organ rejection medication uh, shutting down your immune system because that's what those drugs do and we don't know if you could get through a surgery taking out your bowels without some type of bacterial infection and so that's what I was faced with Krista that was the only option I was given at that point I appreciate how raw and honest you are because I work with a fair amount of ulcerative colitis it's one of my favorites um, because there's so much potential to improve it through lifestyle and diet and inflammation. I mean, that's, we talk about inflammation a lot on this show. So it's, it's appropriate you're sharing this and I appreciate you being so raw, but, um, yeah, I love how you paint the picture. Like it's not our options are not great. Like we don't have great options out there traditionally for these conditions, which is a problem obviously. Um, and I'm guessing that you didn't find those answers you were given at that time, um, acceptable. Well, you know, Krista, at the time it was acceptable because I didn't know what you and I know now, right? So it's like if that person in front of me with the coat on says do this, I'm doing it, right? I got to do it because they were the the judge and the jury, you know, just like it was called doctor-patient relationship, meaning that I was just the patient, you know, I didn't have – I had to give my health and my – my, even my choices over to somebody else or something else. So I was scared, you know, and I didn't like the options. And, and these doctors are amazing too. So, you know, everybody listen, I'm not downing medical doctors. I'm just downing a process or a system. Like when you, when you don't get to the cause of a problem, it's like taking the batteries of the fire alarm. The building's still going to burn down even though you didn't hear it anymore. And that was the approach. So of course, these doctors wanted to be healthy and well, but their system and their protocols and their medications weren't working and they're like, well, we got to take out your colon because then, you know, colitis, uh, check out this rationale. If colitis means it's uh, autoimmune or inflammation in the lower colon, colitis, if we remove your colon, then you couldn't be able to have colitis anymore because you don't have a colon. I mean, that was the rationale mm-hmm. at that time. It was insane. But they're, and then, and you'll love this, Krista, they were giving me, like, their nutritional advice to me was drink insure. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and I'm thinking that's how I'm like, really? I mean, like, and, and I didn't have the knowledge that you had. I was like, there's just something about milk solids and high fructose corn. Like, I don't, just don't think this is really good for me. You know, like innately, I think innately everybody knows, but we're bullied. We feel bullied. We feel because we're scared to, to, to follow these things that innately we don't feel is the right decision. And so, yeah, that's, that's what I was faced with. And, you know, I went home to see my mom. 
Uh, she already lost two sons. So my mom lost my dad and two sons. So I lost two brothers at this point. So this is son number three. So remember, your health affects everything and people around you. And she sends out that prayer email. And the prayer email is, you know, help my son. And everybody writes the back. Hope the surgery goes well. And then my anatomy teacher from 10th grade, uh, Mr. Bauman, he says, listen, I want to see Chris when he comes to town. So when I went into town, there's Mr. Bauman. I'm like, what are you doing here? And he goes, I, I need you to go see my doctor. He's a corrective care chiropractor. It'll change your life. Very nonchalantly, Chris, to like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and you know, when you've been through all I went through and all this debt and all, all these tests and all these billion dollar facilities and invasive, uninvasive testing and failure and, and lost hope, you're like, it was almost insulting. I was like, well, I'm so this whole Baylor Medical couldn't help me, but you want me to go to this guy who has an office in his house. And I'm like, that's ridiculous, you know? And uh, I said, and then I said this, Krista, I said, I tried it all. Thank you so much. But I tried, I tried everything. Mm-hmm. And then he comes back and he goes, you didn't try everything. Cause if you tried everything, you would have had your health. I was like, Oh my God. And Krista, it woke me up because if you're listening on the line, if this is, if you're going through something health wise, financially relationship or, or business, you will not realize you entered into a hopeless slash victim mentality. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize it was there until – because the moment I believed I tried everything, that means I lost all hope until someone and, – and this is the great thing, Krista. Like if you are going through a tough time, I always tell people pay so much – pay close attention to the things you listen to, the books you read, the movie you watch, the song you listen to. There might be a line or there might be something said that wakes you up even for a split second to realize – wow, I was a victim. So when he said, you didn't try everything and why you would have had your health, it woke me up just enough to at least give uh, an option to other alternative methods. Or actually, they should be primary methods, but alternative methods as society would consider it. Right. You bet. Well, I have a few things. So you yeah. had mentioned they were going to take out your colon and you had said, yeah, I mean, that would mean you didn't have colitis. And so a fun analogy <laughs> right. that I love is that you can't take out a light bulb and expect there to not be a light socket there. I mean, because there is a whole part. And so I love how you said that. I love how you talked about there is such fear, right? And we can be so paralyzed by that fear to the point we don't do something. And you sound, I've heard that line so much, Chris, I've tried it all, right? You think you've tried it all within what you know, right? But there is a lot of things you probably don't know yet. And the minute we stop learning is when we stop growing and we really stop living. You know, when we stop learning, we stop living, I think, because like you just said, we can unintentionally end up in that victim mentality or lost hope. So um, like, like, of course, we've all heard many times, you're the sum of people you surround yourself with. So I love what you said about the music and all that, because if we're not kind of paying attention to that overall, our overall environment and paying attention to what's toxic in our lives and the people around us, um, you know, lack of awareness is, 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 it's not helpful, right? So at this time, you're now age uh, 26, right? You've tried everything. But this guy from your past, I love how people from your past, um, like at any time, you can be affected by someone. So you had probably respect for this anatomy teacher in 10th grade anyway. And so even though you pushed him off at first, you decided to give that another thought. So let's what happens next? Right. So I went over to see his doctor, you know, was a a corrective care chiropractor. And, you know, he he didn't tell me anything that all of us on the line doesn't know. Your brain controls everything. Well, yeah, you know, <laughs> your body was created to heal from the inside out. Our natural state of uh, of uh, of our lives is well being. Like every like disease is the absence of something. That's what people have to realize. Like colitis, heart, any 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 symptom 
it's not really anything. It's the lack of something. Saying like, so if well-being is our 100% natural state, then the lack of that well-being uh, creates this, what we would call a disease. So we're, a lot of times we're chasing symptoms and the symptom is just the lack of. It's, 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 it's a lack of the well-being and health we were always gifted and, and are, are to have. And so I went back and I looked at my uh, x-rays of my spine and that's when I saw a blind spot because at the time I was eating pretty well. I was eating good. I was even one of the first ones back that time that always thought organic was good and everything like that. So my nutrition was good and very disciplined. I was very disciplined with that. I was very disciplined with exercise. But remember, there's different pieces of the puzzle. Health is just a combination of so many things. And for me, my blind spot was in, in the spine. My, you know, my spine was damaged in my lower spine. I never felt it. I don't remember. Maybe I got in a couple of car accidents, played sports, but I had damage on my lower back and all those nerve roots come out of your lower back do go to your not just your lower back muscles but to your colon and your digestive system and any interference with those messages from the brain will cause those areas to function poorly or it could develop inflammation or in my case uh, autoimmune response in, in that area and, and that was a blind spot so again you know in those areas those big four areas if you're struggling in finances or relationships or business or health again it's, it's so important to have a coach, mentor, non-biased opinion that looks from the outside to be able to show you these blind spots because that's even more frustrating, Chris, is when you, like, when you have a blind spot, that means that you're never, ever going to see the blind spot. Mm-hmm. And you need someone to point out and say, hey, listen, I know you don't see this, but here's a blind spot that you didn't know that was there and this was causing it or helping contribute to a situation that you never had to go through but like you said, it, it, it's not the things that you know that destroy your life. It's always the things we don't know. So it was imperative that I saw this blind spot. But Chris, just, even though I see this blind spot, now it's like this new realization, right? Wow, holy smoke, I didn't know this. But when you're, in, when you're scared and you're, you're in a state of apathy and indifference, you st- we're paralyzed. You're right. So I, I was like, is this more false hope? And I just go to like, so when am I going to get better? Because that's all we want to know. When am I going to get better? And this doctor had the worst bedside matter. <laughs> but what I love about it is I needed someone to tell me this. He goes, listen, as long as there's damage there, there's that blind spot, your body's not in the environment to be able to heal. Or if you're listening, you know, your, your, your solution is not going to be able to manifest because the same recipe of disaster is happening. He's like, so, but when you choose, and he points at me, like he points at me, because when you choose to correct your problem that you have that's affecting your life and your future, then your body will be able to be in the environment to heal itself once again. He goes, but the day and the hour, he's like, that's not up to me because that's between you and your body. He's like, but I will tell you, you will get better and you will get well if you don't quit on yourself no matter how long it takes. Yeah. And Chris said that was the most, yeah, it was the most honest answer anybody ever told me because what he did was he took all the responsibility and put it right back in my lap because I was blaming everything. I was blaming my circumstances and this and that. He's like, nope. If your body was able to develop it here, if you if you knowingly or unknown, unknowingly developed this problem, that also means that you now can de- undevelop this problem. But you have to do it. You have to do it. So he, he's, you know, I had to show up. I had to do the things he told me. Like I had to take a hundred percent responsibility. And I wish I could tell you, Krista, that in a week everything was great. No. And that's so tough, right? When we start correcting the problem or the people you work with, you know, they're looking for things to happen overnight. And because you, you the big, here's the thing, the scariest thing in life or some of the toughest things to do in life is to make a decision because you're always worried that we're going to make the wrong decision. So we procrastinate, 
we don't move. And then when we do make a decision, there's that time period where we don't see any momentum. We need an evidence of truth so we could take faith in this working to knowing that it's working. And so it took me about three months of bleeding and not seeing what I wanted to see. And I was off half the meds, avoiding surgery. Five months, I'm off all the meds. Uh, still having a little bit of issues, but I'm, I'm, I'm winning. I'm totally winning at this point. Mm-hmm. And then at seven months, the blood had stopped and my body healed itself from an incurable terminal disease called ulcerative colitis. Mm-hmm. I love it. I, I think what's important here is that you had kind of alluded to it. It's important to set up our expectations realistically. And the thing that I loved earlier about what you said was about the blind spots. And I couldn't agree more. You know, it's sort of like it's a challenge for all of us. It's why it's why, you know, doctors don't treat their own children, because you're going to have biases, you're going to have blind spots, what you think, you know, we're always I loved what you said about how we it's what we don't know that ruins us really, essentially. And so um, moving on, you know, we're scared, we think we've tried everything. And so, like you said, we want to be better tomorrow, we wanted to be better last week, we wanted to be better in two weeks, but setting up realistic expectations and kind of knowing what's appropriate, knowing like, we're going to do these things, it's going to help in this way, having those proper expectations, I find that's where people really fail. I have this conversation with people all the time, before I end up working with them about proper expectations for what you're looking for, right? So if you've had this problem for 20 years, we might not be better next week, right? Like you can expect more like weeks, months, etc. for this to be fully healed. But it's at the end of the day, like when you nourish and take care of your own body, that is your that is the habitat you were given. So when you do that appropriately, it will continue to take care of you for life, right? Absolutely. Now, I always tell patients, you know, I, they come in, I'm like, listen, here's the deal. I want you to whatever expectation you had, because imagine Chris, if I said, okay, I'm going to give this three months, and if I don't see, like whatever, and, and like here's the thing, when people say I'm going to give this so much time, it's like when you ask them, well, where'd you get that amount of time from? And it really is rooted in nothing. It's like, uh, well, I would think, you know, see, see all these like very weak areas. So if I would have said, hey, I'm going to give this two months, two months sort of came by, I wouldn't have seen the results I want and I would have quit. And so what's so important, I tell even people I work with, I'm like, listen, what, 10x everything. Meaning that if you think it's going to take $3,000, it's going to take 30. If you think it's going to take three months, it's going to take 30 months. If you think it's going to get take three bits of energy, meaning like this is the effort I need to put in, it's going to take 30. Because when we're traveling through this journey, remember, nothing's a straight ascension up to where you want to be. There's a zigzagging. There's obstacles. And really, that's, that's what creates confidence and love in yourself is it's not really attaining the goal, even though that's what we want. It's, it's getting through obstacles and blind spots, everything along the way. And so when you realize, hey, listen, and, and it does, right? It always takes more time, more money, more effort than we re- really think. And if we could set that expectation super high, I find that not only will we hit our goal that we wanted, but we'll also surpass that uh, tremendously. Yeah, exactly. You know, (laughs) I love the analogy. I feel like people use that analogy all the time when building something, plan on it taking twice as long, costing twice as much, etc. And it's really not different because if your proverbial house, right, your body has essentially like lost its foundation, if you're rebuilding from the ground up, yeah, why wouldn't it take a little bit long? Like it takes longer to rebuild than it does to damage, you know, almost. And so when we've been living in damage for a long time, um, yeah, it can it can take a, a bit of time. So I like how you I think I'm I'm just like that. I prefer to be people sometimes call it I, I don't think of it as pessimistic. I f- think about it as realism, right? And so um, I like to see that glass half full, but I like to be super realistic about, yeah, well, this isn't, you know, this won't be 
overnight or, or keeping that those re- those expectations realistic. Now, what I loved, um, you know, you were talking about your corrective chiropractor that you saw, which obviously changed the tra- trajectory of your own life because then you had gone on to become a chiropractor. So let's maybe talk about that. What, you know, so you're, you're better from ulcerative colitis. Meanwhile, what's going through your brain? You decide that hey, this is crazy. Everyone should um, have access to this. I want to be part of the solution. What happened next? Yeah, Krista, you nailed it. So here, if you said, hey, listen, this is going to be a chiropractor, I would that wouldn't have been 10,000th on my list at all. So, but, but here's the thing. I went through an experience. See, I'll never come back, and I want everybody to listen to what I'm saying here. I don't even say I had a disease when I was 26. You'll hear me say I had a health experience. Because it was an experience. And when I went through this experience, I learned one thing. I learned that I didn't want to be sick. Okay, I knew what I didn't want. But when you know what you don't want, it automatically should clarify what you do want. Because we still focus on so much what we don't want. Yeah, but so I know I didn't want to be sick. But at 26, I'll tell you right now, no one wanted health more than I did. So I, I yearned for health. I had clarity that I wanted health and be healthy and well. And when I went through this experience, not only did I cherish health at a greater degree, but then I had an experience of going through a system or a process that actually helped me. And now I have something that I have experience with, I could be congruent with. I actually went through the ups and downs of that process to get well. So now I'm abs- I am I went through that fire to absolutely be put in the greatest position to now be able to spread that message and help as many people through the same type of system. So I went back to school, got my doctorate, went to you know all these other extra hours to learn corrective care. And in 2005, I opened my office here in Houston. And we became the largest uh, clinic in the world. We saw at one point over 2,800 people per week. That's how insane it was going. And, and we saw that amount of people. That It's 28x times the normal office. And it wasn't because it, was, it wasn't because it wasn't working. It was because people were getting well, telling everybody else. And I really chose – and we could talk about this. I, I really found my vehicle of influence to be able to get that message out. I believe everybody has a vehicle of influence that's listening and when you could find your vehicle of influence that you could get your message out, you could go all in on that vehicle and it just – everything in your life or that, that you know, trajectory will, will rise and explode. I love it. You know, I have a question about the one step back because it took a while to get over your health experience, right, to work through this health experience. And yep. I find that it's like you said, it's not a linear – improvement. It's, you know, zigzaggy a little bit, right? It's, it's not all, not all happiness and rainbows always. How did you feed your mind and keep yourself above water? Um, because that's a huge piece. It can be easy to get kind of discouraged when it feels like you're going two steps forward, one step back sometimes. Um, so tell us how you, do you remember the things you were doing to feed your brain and get your mindset in the right place that was ultimately going to improve your overall thing? Because, Hey, listen, I see it every day. Like I tell people this constantly, there's nothing more direct that's going to inhibit your progress than your brain and your mindset. Like I see it all the time. If people are kind of in this like victim mindset, they improve much more slowly than the people in that growth mindset. So tell us how you fixed, how you dealt with that. No, Krista, great point. And for everybody listening, I just want to let you know, it's uh, all the discipline of bodybuilding and all this stuff. I wish I could tell you it really kicked in. No, it didn't. It's like I was scared. I was panicky. I was in fear. I was worried. You know, yeah, there was, no, there was no positive mental attitude at that time. But I felt that I had no other option. 
because if I went for the surgery, you know, I may like, you know, like I really didn't feel that that was an option and I had to try everything. So I was kind of backed in a corner. I was kind of in a corner where I, I was backed in the corner. There was no exit strategy or I believe there was no exit strategy. Maybe that was part of the positive thinking. I said, listen, there's no exit strategy here. I literally went from apathy or indifference, which is the lowest tone you could be in. Like Krista said, like when you're a victim or when you're in apathy or your mindset is so it's vibrating at such a you know dull level, it is hopelessness. But an improvement is actually the emotion of anger. So I went from apathy and hopeless to a little bit angry because I didn't want to go through the surgery. So that little bit of anger gave me a little bit of self-empowerment. You don't want to stay there to then go into frustration. And then frustration took me into hope, all right? Then hope took me. And so I, I just started building up that scale. But it was definitely knowing that, uh, I guess to sum it up, I really, I really realized that no one was coming to save me. And I know that sounds <laughs> very, very uh, dull and, and, and lonesome, but... I was like, you know what? I no one's like no one's coming to help me. I have to do it myself, and therefore that gave me the little bit of drive and motivation to realize, like, listen, I have to show up. I have to do it on a daily basis. Yes, I see blood in that toilet bowl. I know I don't like it, but listen, if I if I don't do this, if I don't give this a fair shot, then I'm in surgery. I have no children, and here I am today, 16 years later, healthy, whole. You know, I have two beautiful boys that I never would have had. I had a you know a 15 years of an extremely successful. Um, it, was, it was not a failing. It was a successful marriage that we just evolved, and you know we we feel it was best that we were part. But I mean, really, everything I could possibly think of in my life was blessed because I stuck through at that time because I made choices at that time, and so understand like that. I, I knew that fear and, and 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 worry would never amount to the end product you wanted ever. So, like I said, every bit of improvement. This is why, Krista, I think this is the greatest part that we could both help people. Every little win was something I held on to. So, meaning this, I went to the bathroom 12 times today, not 15. Win, win. You know, hey, um, the blood wasn't as much. Win. I, I got my adjustment. I did my therapies today. Win. So, I really was focusing on the wins that I did on a daily basis because if you are what you continually do, then winning's not a one-time or, or, or once-in-a-while thing. It's got to be something you do daily. So I cherished every – I appreciated everything. I went, like when I went to the bathroom normal again, celebration. Like So everything I – was, I was looking for wins on a daily basis because when you realize you're winning, it builds that momentum that pulls you out of it. Yep, exactly. It was gratitude, right? Like you had yeah. gratitude every day and you reflected on it. And I love that. I have this little app that keeps reminding me to do these to-do lists and it says, you are what you do every day. Like, <laughs> all right, better correct some <laughs> habits <laughs> a little bit. Um, the other piece that I wanted to make sure that I mentioned, just since we're talking about kind of overall health and healing, is that sometimes when I'm referring people to a chiropractor, I say, hey, listen, like we can think about your health in a triad. You can think, and it it's really augments kind of this conversation. You can think about it structurally nutritionally and emotionally because like you said when you have interference with that nervous system based on like bones and, and some other blind spots essentially that are going on your body can't um, transmit signals and messages and communicate with itself the way it would like to so just want to throw that in there um okay so there's a lot going on. You found, I love what you said about your vehicle of influence. You found your vehicle of influence. You found how you could help people. And then you wanted to take it a step farther, I'm thinking, because tell us about this I Am Hero project. What is that? What inspired you to start it? 
So the I'm Here Project is like the evolution of just kind of what happened in my life. So here I, you know, I have my health back. I tell my story to hundreds of thousands of people, build this massive office. And so now in my life, I checked off all the boxes, right? You know, wife, check, kids, check, practice, check, you know, um, house paid for, check, financial abundance, check, all that. So, so I really kind of achieved all these things that you would think, uh, well, well, society told you, you would, this is what success is. And then you, I found myself a little like depressed or unfulfilled. I was like, what's going on? Why, why am I feeling this way? I had no, I was grateful. I didn't know why this was happening. And I realized that, you know, I was really grieving my potential and I started getting disengaged and numb at work and at home and I just didn't know why. And then I just really took some days to myself to really become self-aware. It really comes down to the base of self-awareness of who am, who am I? Who, what is my truth? And I realized, well, wait a second. I'm a culmination of teachers, preachers, other dogmas, parents' belief systems and what other people – other people's values on what they thought would be good for my life or to become. And I was like, wow, like – I'm wearing this false suit, this secret identity, this less than watered down version of my truth. And it's very different than that other author that talks about it's fun to have an alter ego because I think the secret identity is the actual thing that will destroy you and block you and never allow you to become who you were created to be. Because the enemy of the hero is not the villain. It's always the secret identity. It's just that it's, it's, it puts you into a state of mediocrity. It, it controls you from outside sources and never allows you to become your truth and so you look in the mirror one day and you don't even recognize who you are and I believe that happened to me and so I put myself through a process that I developed called that hero risings methodology which is basically a lot of the stuff we talked about whether it be getting through a disease or or it's really finding finding myself again like find what is my truth who was I created to be and you know what do I like actually it was pretty much cultivating a relationship with myself like the the relationship that was least developed was really the one with myself because I did what everybody else wanted to do but I didn't know what I wanted or what, what I wanted to do so we went through the I am hero project methodology which is number one embrace the hero mindset and the hero mindset is very counterintuitive than most personal development or self-help today because there it's very much outside in versus I believe it's about you remembering and I'll just give you a little uh, way on how this this will you'll see where I'm coming from you know, I have my two boys, and one of them wore superhero outfits every single day for two and a half years. Like, I only bought them superhero <laughs> stuff. And I would see grown adults just break down in front of them. Like, wow, I would see a grown man or a grown woman just totally look like a kid when they saw my son Titus walking through the store. And I was, I, I was, it was teaching me something. And I realized, you know, I was spending tens of thousands of dollars, Krista, going to masterminds or going to these, these uh, high-level seminars. And I, was, and I was realizing what they wanted, they, they were trying to teach us, but I looked, I was like, wait, my kids have all this. Meaning that, you know, when we were kids, all of us when we were kids, we were, we were full of energy. We had imagination. We were creative. We were relentless. We questioned authority. We had pride. We had ego. We were forgiving. We were loving. We lived in what I call um, vertical time. I mean, that's present time. We didn't care about yesterday or tomorrow. Like we lived in vertical time. Adults, we live in linear time. You know, we were always asked when we were kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? We, and today as adults were asked, well, what do you do? So it was, you know, we were, we were always looked at, we were always visionaries. We were always just like, oh, I want to be this. I want to be that. Uh, we were, we were playful. We could play 24 hours a day. And the biggest, biggest question we always asked was why, right? Kids will why you to death. Why? Why? It's time to go to bed. Why? And then you realize that they were always looking for their own truth. So what happened? All those qualities I just mentioned, 
that's where people are spending hundreds of thousands of dollars of trying to get in self-help and personal development and from the outside, but we forgot that we always had it. So it's about remembering, re, you know, reattaining, not rediscovering what we truly were when we were younger. And like I said, through society and institutionalized systems, it really it imprisoned that beautiful, authentic, true self that you had or your hero inside you. And then we started conforming and fitting in and putting on that secret identity. So embrace that hero mindset. The second thing is then maximize your superpowers. All of us have superpowers. And the crazy thing is you don't even realize that they're your superpowers because it's something that you love, you enjoy, and it's easy to you. So it's maximizing that. And then the third is choosing that vehicle of influence. So some, you know, Krista, you're amazing on, on voice and also video and speaking. For some of you, you're amazing writers. Whatever that vehicle is, that's how you get your message through. And then here's the big thing. We always hear like most of our hobbies are the things we, we love to do, but then we go to work for something else. And we always want to – we would love to get paid for what we love to do, but because we love doing it and we would do it for free, we devalue it and we never we, – we can't match well. How do I monetize what I love to do? So the fourth part is monetizing your message for the survival of your legacy. What is that we love to do that we just – when we do it, like right now when we're talking, when you love doing something – you have more energy at the end of it than when you started. You could do it for hours. You could forget to eat. You forget to sleep. Like it is just a zone. It's a flow, a state of flow that you, you by default, outwork everybody because to you, it's the act of doing that thing is the reward, not the end result. That's the reward. So when you could find something that the act of doing it becomes a self-fulfilling reward, it really is the greatest place to be. And I teach people how to take that and also monetize it so you could actually finally get paid for doing what you love to do versus thinking that my love is just a hobby and I'm going to go to this thing where I get a paycheck. I love it. I'm a, yeah. I'm a huge fan of um, people being, you know, owning their worth and their value because that in turn, like improves their overall happiness, I think um, somewhat. Right. Uh, so I love it. So I don't know if I caught every single one of them because, and you, I want you to fill in the one that I missed yeah. because I feel like I got hero mindset, um, yeah. embracing superpowers, choosing your vehicle of influence yep. and um, using those hobbies, like monetizing your message. So you can, yep. you know, have this, have your legacy be, you know, a legacy essentially. You nailed it. hundred cool. percent. Love it. I think it's fantastic. I mean, there's, there's so many, you know, in the Bible, there's like many references of like, be more childlike, right? I was listening to a book last night, so it's almost serendipity. I was listening to a book last night about uh, releasing judgments on people. And so it was just really talking about how, you know, the opposite of, of judgment is really, um, this wasn't the word she used, but it was really, uh, love essentially. And so children are always have that until they're taught that they not to essentially like until they're taught judgment. And so I, I, I was thinking about that as you were talking about all the beautiful attributes that kids can teach us, how they're visionaries, how we think, think, um, you know, we just have all these beautiful traits. And so, um, I like how that was your real, that was your really epiphany and aha moment that they're the ones that taught you how to live more with more abundance, really. Absolutely. Cool. Chris, where can people find you? Um, a great place to go, you know, on Facebook or Instagram, it's at Dr. Zaino. So it's D-R-Z-A-I-N-O. And so I put out content every single day and it's like, it's content like this. So I, I, my, my main value is that when you do see any of my content, it'll be beneficial to you and you would feel that was a perfect use of your time. I also answer all my comments or any messages. That's always me doing it. I'm very, I'm hands on the whole, the whole thing. 
And then I have a really good uh, you know, resource for you guys that uh, I would think you would love. It's called the Hero Secret Sauce. And so basically, you know, when I studied and interviewed so many people, I could I could I boil it down to five main characteristics that you could apply to your life today and really start winning. And so if you just go to IamHero.com forward slash secret, IamHero.com forward slash secret, you'll be able to get the uh, it's a couple PDFs, little worksheets, and some videos that it's very quick. You could get through it super fast and start applying these things to your life today, and it'll be extremely beneficial. Cool. I think this is one of those episodes, like, you can set a reminder in your phone, and I think – in general, like you have to keep feeding yourself these positive things and that's how to, how you refresh in life. And so I feel like people can go back and listen to this one again, get more mileage out of the next time, reapply it to life and they'll still, they'll, they'll be rewarded um, from it. So Chris, it was such a pleasure. I had a, I had a great time learning about your background, your legacy, um, kind of, and how we arrived at that place. You know, one question that everyone gets is if you have a gut reaction on what you want to share, if someone's listening today and feels like you're speaking directly to them, like what would you leave them with? Well, I believe all of you, everybody listening, you were born with, you were born with seeds of greatness and you're capable of doing heroic things. And the thing is when you realize, like Chris just said, when you have true self-worth, it's, it's the epitome of self-love. And a lot of times you don't allow your vision to come through because you're so worried about what everybody had said or what you've been through in your life, knowing that you have a create, just a tremendous amount of value that you could give everybody. And when you give yourself permission to do that, then you'll have the feeling of just not fulfillment, but nothing beats helping other people become better. Yeah, that's very true. Cool. Thanks so much, Chris. Uh, I can't wait to talk to you again. Thank you, Krista. One of the best gifts you could give us at The Less Stressed Life is your feedback. We are paid in podcast reviews. If you enjoyed this or any other episode, please leave us a review. In the iTunes store or from your podcast app, just search for Less Stressed Life as if you're not already subscribed. Click on the banana face image, scroll to the bottom where it shows the text of other reviews, and write a review. While you're there, hey, make sure you hit subscribe. For Android or Stitcher users, you gotta go to the desktop site and search for Less Stress Life and then scroll down to leave a review. Stitcher doesn't load Apple reviews on their site, so if you want, you can leave a review in both places. Your feedback means a lot to the success of the show. Thanks so much for taking the time to do that. You rock. 